Yeah. Uh, kind of disappointed looking at you guys. You guys didn't know that the preacher wasn't going to be here? Come on, everybody's here. <laughs> you know, I mean, people are going to start talking. The Baptists are going to start thinking we're holy rollers over here or something, you know. Uh, not going to lie, this last week, uh, it's been a pretty heavy attack. Uh, to the point where yesterday, I was kind of praying to have COVID or something. Um, kind of a different attack on me. Uh, just a lack of focus. Uh, I actually forgot what I was doing this over. I struggled, like for the life of me, I could not remember what I was doing. Uh, Heather asked me if I was ready for tomorrow, and uh, I was like, might as well be. <laughs> There's nothing else I can do about it at this point. Um, but in that attack, I realized something that the devil didn't. And that my best friend's a ghost. Uh, I know it's weird to talk about. Uh, even amongst Christians that I know, you mentioned spiritual, demonic, Holy Spirit. And it shuts down the conversation. It gets weird. Um, I was actually a little worried when George brought up a guy from the 16th century and something he wrote because I was worried that it was going to be my guy because I'm reading something from the 16th century too. Uh, and I actually, when I stumbled across this, I thought of John Spence because he likes poetry so much. So John, this poem, you are on my mind when I read this. No man is an island, entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent a part of the main. If a clod be washed away by the sea, Europe is the less, as well as if a promontory were, as well as if, the, if a manner of thy friends or of thine own were. Any man's death diminishes me, because I am involved in mankind, and therefore never send to know for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. It was written by a guy named John Donne, about 400 years ago. Uh, he was an English pastor slash poet. Uh, and I find it interesting that 400 years ago, he was writing about something that we still do today. We put ourselves on islands. We cast ourselves out and put ourselves out there to be all alone. We do it for multiple reasons, for protection, for fear, for, in some of our cases, we think it's strong to be an island. But as you can see in his writings, he points out that we're not islands. We were never meant to be islands. We're meant for community. <clears throat> I, it's very arrogant of us today to think that we are past these things in the past. And it encourages me to see that they were struggling with it too. Um, but if you look biblically, Jesus didn't do everything by himself. The first thing he does when he starts his ministry is he goes out and finds like-minded individuals. Now they had their agendas and he had to bring them in and train them up into his ways. But he still looked for the community. 
Uh, and here we are today, we're still finding ourselves still in that. But if you look around, you see people out there right now that have separated themselves from the church, separated themselves from the community. I'm guilty of it myself. I've, I've, I've tried to live out uh, my Christianity as if I was an island in the past. Um, I don't know if I'm ready to go on to that yet, but I guess we are. Um, <laughs> I find I'm still doing it, but um, I'm quite sure how to say this. I find that I'm still doing it right now. Uh, one of the key areas in me lately has been that God's been pointing out has been my prayer life. As most of you know, you ain't going to hear me pray out loud a whole lot. And different people have been speaking to me about it lately. Um, and I, I talked to God on it a long time ago, and he told me that it was fine. As long as when I did, I was sharing my heart with him, that that was the important thing. But I found that I took that permission to basically isolate my prayer life. Um, lately, I, for me, praying out loud is, uh, it's, my prayer life's intimate for me. So from, if I'm praying out loud, it's, it's like I'm burying everything. It's like I'm naked in public to you. Um, here I am struggling here. <laughs> I, I just don't like to be that exposed. I, I like my island. I like my walls. Uh, they they hold up for me very well for the most part. But in that prayer life. I confess to the men in, in, church, in Sunday school, it feels dirty for me if, I, if, if I'm not true when I'm praying. If I'm, if, my, if I'm just throwing words out there that don't really mean anything to me, and I'm not trying to say anybody here does that, but I, I just I struggle to let that intimate side of me go. And I find, as, as, as I voiced that to the men in Sunday school, Packer came out and kind of gave me a word of encouragement and confirmation that he feels like the Lord put that in me, you know, that I, that I do feel dirty about it if I'm not true with it, but he also feels that the Lord's calling me out and wants me to start being more open about it. And I guess may, mainly just so I can share those things with others and so they can share back to me. So I'm not clo closed off. If you look up in, in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, it says, Two are better than one because they have good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together... They will keep warm, 
but how can one be warm alone? The one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. I have found in my journey that I've needed the community more than I thought I did. I uh, go back in, in my life, you know, in, in church, and, and I think of all, all of it that I just sat there, quiet, up and gone the minute that the last song was sung. You know, I can remember when I was in the car waiting for my family to come out. And it's changed a lot now. Now I, I, I find him not letting me. There's always somebody I need to say something to. There's always somebody I need to talk to. He's pushed me into the community. For better and for worse, I think. You know, probably for worse for you guys, for better for me. Um, then in Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, he says, Let us think of the ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. The word neglect means to fail to copper, properly care for. And how many of us are doing that? We're pro not properly caring for the relationships around us. How many of you get up and run out of church the minute the last song sang? How many of you come in late? Not beating anybody down today who come in late or anything like that. Um, but how many of you are truly embracing the church? How many of you are truly embracing your brothers? How many of you are helping each other grow? Uh, I can't beat you down because I'm guilty of it. Uh, and I find that he keeps pointing these things out in me, not just for my growth, but for your growth. That's why he keeps putting me up here. Uh, you know, next time it happens, somebody please just kick me hard. Um, actually, there, yeah. Um, I understand what it's like to be alone in the middle of it. And I find that I don't want that for you. I don't want it for my family. This whole thing started a few weeks back after Owen had uh, tore up his knee. And I found myself in my office and I was feeling guilty because... In my prayer life, I wasn't asking the Lord to heal my son. I found myself asking the Lord to not allow my children to be alone. And I was feeling guilty for it. Why wouldn't I, as a father, you think I want my children to be healthy, safe. But in my heart was saying, don't pray for that. Pray that they're not alone. And if you've ever been there where you feel alone, you know that is the worst feeling. And I felt God just pointing that back out to me like, hey, you know, you've been there. And about that time, Garner texts me asking me about how Owen's doing. And I thought, wow, 
thank God I'm not alone. That I have a community around me that's praying for my son. You guys were all praying for healing for him. I didn't have to. It left me to pray that he wouldn't be alone. And I know some of you think, oh, well, you're, you know, he's got his parents. He's a teenager. We don't count. <laughs> it's the truth. I think about the most celebrated story in the world. And the most celebrated story in the world is also the worst story that was ever told. It's a story you guys all want to hear. You guys pay millions of dollars every year to go see it in the movie theaters. Billions of dollars to read it in books. But it's a story of somebody who's done something on their own. They didn't need any help. That is the worst story that was ever told. Because you know what happens whenever you win that championship, when you built that company, when you finally became somebody all by yourself, you're still alone. Eventually, you won't be champion. And people will forget about you. They'll quit wanting to have their picture taken with you. And you'll go home at night to your empty home. Alone. That is the worst story that was ever told. And it is a failure of the church and of the community. It's horrible. I find that we're in the church sometimes we get so wrapped up in our own lives and our own selfishness. And whenever somebody does bring their problems to us, instead of just telling them, hey, I've been there and I love you, regardless of what you're doing, we start coming up with looking for ways to fix them. I tell you what, when my heart's hurting, the last thing I want you to tell me is, oh, the Lord's going to use, use this to make things better. My heart's dying. The only thing I need to hear from you is that you love me. That's it. Now, I know it sounds harsh. I do need to hear the truth eventually. But when I'm hurting, I need to know I'm loved and I'm not alone. There's so many things that have linked into this sermon. One of my friends that's wise, me and him were having a conversation a while back. And we were talking about Jesus going out into the desert. And he brought up the point, he's asked me, he's like, did you ever think that Jesus went out there to prove himself to the demons and not to us? And... I'd never really thought of it like that, but I started, you know, I, at the end of the conversation, I told him, I was like, I was gonna, I'm gonna, I'm missing something. I'm gonna have to go home and download this. And I went home and I started thinking about it, a little here and a little there. And I started putting things in perspective. And I started thinking about the demon standing around the water cool, cooler the next day. The one demon says to the other, he's like, hey, did you hear what happened to the old Prince of Darkness yesterday? He went head to head with the Son of Man at his weakest. And the Son of Man kicked his ass. <laughs> Hands down, fight was over, first round knockout. And he beat him with Scripture. At his weakest, he's going to Scripture. 
whipping it out first thing, not, not even hesitating. And I think of my weaknesses, and I, I can be at full strength, and that's not the first place I go. And I got to thinking about, like, how did he accomplish this? Because understand one thing. Jesus was not a superhero. He was just a man. Same as you, same as me. There's no superpowers there. He did no healing himself. He did it all with the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, Jesus accomplishes nothing. And he dies out there in that desert. Man can't go that long without food and water. Unless something's sustaining him besides. And the Holy Spirit was that thing. Think back. Right before he goes to the desert. He goes to John the Baptist and gets baptized. And the Holy Spirit comes down on him. And then he goes out to the desert to be tested. And just one thing after another they fall. So when the demons seen Jesus coming. Man they're like. I'm not just facing that man. I'm facing the Holy Spirit. And that's got too much power for me. I mean, even Satan backed down from the Holy Spirit. But remember, he was just a man, and it took that Holy Spirit. And even then, knowing what he could do, later on he goes up and faces that cross, and he does it with the Holy Spirit. And before he dies... The Father takes away that Holy Spirit from him. And Jesus cries out because he's now been abandoned. He's been alone for the first time. And it hurts. He experiences what all of us have. That true feeling of being alone. That feeling that just makes you just die inside. And when you think about it with him, he felt it. Our Savior knows exactly what we've been through because he had it all done to him. For him to take on our sins, he had to feel the alone that you felt. And as with most things, I find myself winding this down and coming to an end. And I struggle with ending things, always have. So I think it's why I didn't quit Brinks like, you know, 15 years ago. But don't let this end here. Realize you need this community. You need it bad. You need the Holy Spirit, no matter how weird it is. No matter what your friends think about you, you need the Holy Spirit. No matter what your family thinks about you, you need the Holy Spirit. And trust me, they will reject you. I've seen it over and over, and you have too. Shouldn't we wear that badge of being a holy roller with honor? Because if the Holy Spirit's in you, that's what you will be. So if you would, please stand and worship.